What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, we're going to be talking about, well, talking about, is that really how we want to say Talking about annotations? That just sounds really academic. Like, I'm in class now, and I'm telling the kids- Well, to be fair, we are two academic witches. That's true. But I don't want anybody out there thinking this is going to be, it's still going to be us. Yes. We're not going to try to be really boring. And I'm not, I'm going to try not to use my teacher voice or um, anything (laughs) like that when I'm talking about annotations. But really at the core of that is if you want to know how we read the books, why we maybe go into deep dives during certain times, this might help you do your own deep dives and figure out you know, how you want to analyze texts if you're reading along with us or if you like you find another book that we have never done and you're like, okay, how would how do Scorpio and Gemini do this? This is how we do it. So that's why we're talking about deep dives into books, everything you need to know about annotation. I feel like there's a lot of overlap in our audience of like people who listen to us and people who watch like booktube. Okay. It's like book YouTube. Um, And, like, one of the staples of BookTube is, like, the sticky tab video or, like, how I annotate my books. So if you are interested in things like that, you're going to love this podcast because that's – it's just the podcast version of how I know – how I sticky tab my books. Okay. Um, And I'm going to say that for me, I'm going to call it the cheater's version to annotation. Oh, I love that. I love – cheating and i need to clarify specifically what i mean by that really quick um one of the things i tell my students all the time is like cheat better um you need to cheat at a level that is better than me because if you're not cheating at my level or higher i know you're cheating and therefore you're caught and therefore you're in trouble but i feel like sometimes if you frame like cheating is just hacking right cheating is just figuring out a loophole the cheater's guide to annotations is just how do i annotate easier and yeah. like, yeah, sometimes you have to cheat at stuff. I cheat at laundry all the time. I only fold half my laundry. And you know what? It works. Wait, what do you mean you you only fold half your laundry? I only fold stuff that like needs to be folded. I just throw the rest of it in a drawer. Just boop. Okay, got it. That's my laundry cheat. I cheat at laundry. Got it. Okay. I thought you meant like, I, I'm going to take half of the laundry in this basket and fold it. And the rest, <laughs> I'm just not. So I'm like. Okay, well, to be fair. Actually, I'm going to post this. You'll have seen this post already. This episode comes out, I don't know when, but you'll have seen this post already of me sharing to the stories my, like, eight laundry baskets that I haven't put away. Because that's the thing that I've just not done as a parent. I've been like, you know what, I'll do this later. And I'm just living out of laundry baskets now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So, not going to lie, when... Mr. Scorpio is like sometimes when we go away, he'll stay, especially if we go to Spain, because that mm-hmm. way he can visit with his family longer and I'll come back and whatnot. And if he's not around, like I'm not putting anything away. I will wash the clothes, mm-hmm. put him back in the basket. And then it's like, you know what? I can just live out of here for a little bit. Like, who cares? 100%. Although, to be quite honest, I don't think he would care if I did it. But it's just, you know, things that you don't necessarily. You live differently when you're alone. Totally. Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. So, how, <laughs> annotations. <laughs> annotations. Why is it a good idea when you're reading a book to annotate or to take notes? Because there's different ways to annotate. And I think it's really good because I don't want to go back. You know, girl preach. When you take notes on something, like, okay, good. You know where it is, right? Whether you've used little post it notes to flag something, you know where the things are that you need. Because as much as we love the books that we read, we have to be honest, there are some chapters that we're like, next, you know, and focus yeah. on certain ones. So we don't do that on the podcast unless we run out of time and then we're like, okay. I'm <laughs> like, okay, speed run. <laughs> yeah, then we have to go really fast. But, you know, we read everything for the podcast and we try to talk about everything for the podcast depending on the time. But in your day-to-day life, you probably do not need all of the chapters. And if you annotate, take notes, um, put post-its, it's going to make your life easier to then be able to reference and use exactly what you need when you need it. I like to think of annotating um, as the KonMari method for books. Okay. So it's like, okay, what are the things in this that I'm reading that like spark joy? Because those are the things that I want to like be able to remember. Um, And 
I am aware that I was a problem child because I was like writing this shit. I was writing this shit down out of books at like 13, right? I would be taking quotes out of like my favorite fantasy novels and be like, oh, I'm going to write this in my little notebook so I never forget it. But, you know, sometimes you want to write something in your little notebook so you don't forget it. And it's not so much about like, I think a lot of times people get bogged down in like the word annotation because you're right, it is very academic. It's very like, you know, highbrow, like I'm in an ivory tower, I'm taking annotations on my book. But like, you're just doing some scribbles in the margin. You're just highlighting some stuff. Like, annotations don't have to be scary. And like, at this, this podcast has helped me to be more present when I read other things. So I'll annotate like books of poetry or like nonfiction that I'm reading because it helps me to be more present with the text. Um, I'm always the kind of person who's going to like someday write an essay about every book she reads. So like you don't need to go as hard as I do, but it's, it just brings you, it brings you that joy. It helps you to find like where in the reading, in whatever you're reading, are the parts that make you the happiest. So there's a couple of things that I tell my kids that I don't actually do or like. Okay. <laughs> tell us. Spill the tea. I feel like... I hope none of them are listening. I can think of a couple that might be listening and that's okay. Don't message me. I'm talking about like, you know, kids who have graduated. They're not even kids anymore. Yeah. They're full on adults. But um, my former AP students are going to be like, what? I'll kill you. Yeah, find me. So here's the first thing I always tell kids. It's like you're having a conversation. And I'm not the only one who says this, right? You're having a conversation yeah. with the author. Um, no, you're not. Not really. But Oh, see, I actually do that I all don't the think time. so. No. And like for those of you who have gotten giveaway books that have my notes in it, all the time it's just me asking questions of the text. Like, oh, um, but what does this mean? Or like, oh, really, that's your approach to this? Like, I'm fully, like, yelling at the author when I'm writing my annotations See, at I, all times. I don't. Like, I can think of, okay, and here's the other thing I don't do, and then I'll go back to what I do when I write something in there. Okay, here's the other thing. I don't like to write in books. You wouldn't. It hurts me to write in books. So, if there's a book I want to annotate, I will have to buy another copy, and that becomes my workbook. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have my copy of the book and then I have my workbook of the book. So, for example, I think I have about four copies of Dracula. That tracks. Yeah. Um, and one of them is my workbook. If you open it up and when mm -hmm. I used to teach um, AP Lit, I, I, that's the book that I would use when we would start talking about it because my notes were already in it. But what I do is things like instead of talking to the author, it's like I'm talking to myself about them. It's like I'm talking shit about the author. Right. Oh, okay. Fair. I also do that. Okay. So like, for example, I'm thinking about the very beginning of Dracula and, you know, Jonathan Harker is writing in his journal and he's like, oh, I had the chicken, chicken pepper or whatever it was called. Chicken paprika must get the recipe for Mina, for Mina. And I'm like misogyny much, right? Like that's the stuff that I write. Like yes. if you open up my Dracula book, that's the kind of stuff that you're going to find. Or like, I'll make a snarky comment, you know, um, because, you know, Dracula definitely represents the other and Bram Stoker felt othered. And I'm like, oh, you know, what was you mm -hmm. in this or something like that? You know, so. <laughs> Roast him. So that's what, even though it's one of my favorite books, I think he was a brilliant writer. But that's what I do. So, so many times I would tell the kids, no, it's like you're having a conversation just because that's what I felt a good teacher would say. Meanwhile, I'm like, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to have a conversation with you. I want to roast you. I want to talk shit behind your back as, you know, as a reader. I love that. And I agree. And I do that, especially in witch books. I want to focus on that second bit because I think that's super relevant. I do the opposite. All of my books are fair game unless I have bought something that is specifically like supposed to be a pristine copy. Um, and typically, like, I'll buy uh, a hardcover or, like, a really ornate design cover if that's going to be, like, my beautiful copy. Right. Um, it actually worked out really great because you had gotten me The Hymns of Orpheus and you had – you basically had to get me two. So I ended up having a beautiful copy and a work copy. So the work copy has, like, all my highlights in it and all that. But I think that's one of the main benefits of, like, all of the witch books being published in paperback because – it kind of pre-sets it up to be a workbook. 
And like, yes, would I love to have some books in hardcover? Would I love to have some books in like a spiral bound? Yeah, but having it in paperback sort of automatically says to you, you can be a little rough with this book, right? She's, she's going to get banged up. You might as well write in, highlight in, etc. Like you might as well use this as a working book. Um, and I, I hope for the audience, but I know it for me, it helps me to overcome that, like, oh, I don't want to write in a book. Like, nah, I'm gonna write the fucking these. I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight the shit out of them. I'm gonna write notes. I got it. Because it's, it's telling you to do it, you know? So for people who are wondering, okay, so if Scorpio doesn't like to write in the books, and in the giveaways, I think some of my books have been given away, and there's yes. nary a note to be found. So when Gemini says, well, there goes Scorpio, she's looking at her notes, where do I take my notes? In a notebook. I have a notebook for every year that we have done the yep. podcast. and what's, Which I'm obsessed with. What's funny is that as the years have gone on, I'm not, I don't make it. Last year was the first year where it's like, oh, I need more paper. What do I do? So mm -hmm. I just had like loose paper and I put it inside because I refused <laughs> to not, it in. Yeah. I refused to have another notebook. And now, I mean... I'm already looking at the notebook going, I'm screwed. Well, like, I'm, I'm definitely going to, this year is going to be a two notebook year. I just I love know that. it. Um, I put everything in there. And how did that start? That started when I went back to school. Got all the stuff, you know, when you're in school, you're going crazy. They give you so many things to read, you know, and you know you have to, but everything was online. Like, there was something, Yeah. you know, it's funny because people always talk about how expensive books are. And that's what they told me when I went back to school. The professors were like, books are so super expensive we're gonna give you so i was like okay so see because with school books i didn't have a problem highlighting and writing stuff in but now it's automatically a workbook right but now they were telling me okay so we're gonna give you the readings so and you know now you don't walk into school with a notebook you're you go in with your laptop and you're taking notes yeah. that way so it was just really weird for me so what did i do in the beginning I would get them printed out. I'm not going to say where, but, you know, maybe mm -hmm. somewhere. I'd print them out. And then I would highlight them and write notes, you know, in the margins yeah. and stuff. But I couldn't continue to do that. I mean, this was going to be years and years of me doing that. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to highlight because, of course, you can use Cami. You can use a bunch of different yeah. you know, systems to open something up and start and do the same thing. But for some reason... I couldn't. So what did I wind up doing? I wound up picking up a pen. I had a notebook. Mm -hmm. And that's where my notes for every single piece of writing. So should I go into what I did? Because it's kind of like what I do for the podcast now. Let's wait two seconds because I have a similar problem with okay. my Kindle books. And I've mentioned on the podcast, like, oh, I have this on Kindle. I'm scrolling through my Kindle. Um, and my approach has been a little bit different. Your approach, I think, is a better approach for normal people. But if you're insane like I am, I bought, like, those little field notes size notebooks. Mm -hmm. The little like, tiny, like, fit-in-your-back-pocket notebooks. And I have one for every Kindle book that I'm, like, reading and annotating at a given time. So I'll print out the cover in, like, grayscale or um, sometimes in color if I'm lucky. And I'll glue it to the front of the notebook. And then all of my notes for that Kindle book go in there. So it's sort of like I'm creating a little library of all of my notes on the books. But they're tiny, so, like, I can fit them because otherwise I would be a hoarder. Um, I think having one notebook makes more sense. It gives very bullet journal energy to be like, oh, I just put everything in one book and, like, I know I put the index or something. Um, I think it's, like, better for the environment. I think it's just objectively a better choice. But I do a similar thing, but with, like, little tiny cute notebooks. <laughs> so what do I do? Scorpio, what do you do? How do you annotate? Okay, so basically it's how do I read? So the first thing I do is that I write the title of the book, who wrote it, the year, and then I go off and either I find something online or I have I already know something about the author and I'll write a little bio because I always start with the bio. Mm. And then I just start reading. I start with the introduction or the preface or however the author has done it. And if something catches my attention, before we get to chapter one, I'm talking about just the intro, that's where I'll go, ooh, this is a good quote. And I write it down word for word. Like, this is the quote that I want to use and the page number. So on the side of the notebook, write the little margin, I'll write the page number. That's my little marker. If I want to go back to that page because maybe mm -hmm. I don't understand my handwriting, which, as we know, 
I don't often understand my own handwriting and I have to go in there. I will go to that. I'll go look for it, whatever. That's for the intro. I'm going to say the intro, the preface, whatever you want to call it, the beginning of the book is the part of the book that I read the most carefully. I would agree. Because I feel like that's the part that's giving us the gist. Who is this author? What do they sound like? right? How is their personality coming through in the book? That's kind of like letting me know like, okay, this is who I'm dealing with before I get into chapter one. So it's yeah. really important. It makes me think about like, if you're reading Dracula, all of the different ways that you can read Dracula, right? Like, I'm going to look at it through a feminist lens. I'm going to look at it through like an archetypes lens, um, all of these different lenses. And being like, you know, thinking back to being in high school, you have to go through the book each time and be like, all right, I have to find the feminism. I have to find the archetypes. But as you get comfortable with annotating and the more you do it, the more it's sort of like a second nature thing. Because I don't think 10 years ago, more than that, how old am I? 20 years ago, I would have been able to sit and like look at the, the introduction to a book and be like, okay, well, this is the voice this is the message that we're getting. This is the theme. These are all these things I'm picking up. I might have to read that three or four times to get all that information. But I've been doing it so much that it's like, yeah, I can read the, um, fuck. I can read the introduction really closely the first time and get all of that information. And actually, I think for our audience, what is close reading? What does that mean? Okay, so what is close reading? It means I'm looking at the language specifically that the author is using to gain an understanding of the material. When you say it like that, like that doesn't feel hard. No, it's not hard at all. I think it's just a matter of looking at works that are not meant for school that way i think that we're used to if you're in a classroom and your teacher says so read this okay i know i have to do this but i think outside you say to yourself well, what does that mean so what would that mean with which books yeah right and we've talked about some of the older books look at the language that's being used are they using the gender binary could yeah. that be a red flag or not right? Because sometimes you have to use it if you're trying to refer to a specific practice that uses it. It may not yeah. be because they want to exclude people. They're just saying that and there may be some caveat later on where they talk about how to be more inclusive, but that could be a red flag. Um, if, I mean, I'm trying to think of other language, I don't know why I'm going with red flags first, but that's kind of like where my mind went. Yeah. Right. So I think anytime that you're reading, like, don't, when you're looking at the language to understand the text, it means not making excuses for the author. Ooh. Do you see what I'm saying? So if yes. an author says something, right, you don't go, oh, that's not what they mean. No. Authors play with language, right? If you are a writer, then you are in love with language. You should be. You should be in love with putting words down on a page. Aside from the information that you're also very passionate about, you should care about how this message is going out, okay? Now, mm -hmm. obviously, when we read older texts, we've said, okay, well, that's just Gardner. Okay, that's just Valiente. Like, we understand that that was a different time and we're reading it for other things. But we never go in there and go, well, that's not what they meant. No, it is what they meant, right? Yeah. So you got to take an author at their word of what it is they're saying. It also means, especially if we're looking at older text, could they be saying something without saying it? So now I'm thinking about Oscar Wilde, right? Mm -hmm. So when Oscar Wilde wrote The Picture of Dorian Gray, Oscar Wilde was gay. Oscar Wilde eventually came out as gay, but he wasn't always out. So a lot of mm -hmm. the writing that he wrote, he would say things without saying them. And how he got away with stuff, and it's something that I remember when every year when I used to read this with my classes, it would blow their minds, in the beginning, the preface. He talks about how art is just art. And if you see something deviant in it, well, there's something wrong with you. Because this is just art. And my kids mm -hmm. picked up on it immediately. They're like, what is he going to say in this book? 
right? But again, it's almost like I'm washing my hands of it. Like, you saw what in this book? This well, is shame your, on you. This is you problem. Yeah. yeah. So, but the thing is, he was smart enough to know, yes, what I put in this book, and that's a work of fiction, what I put in this book is going to be taken a certain way. So I'm going to just backtrack and say mm-hmm. this other thing. So when you're reading a witch book, I think it's important to look at the language that they're using because they are not just giving you information. They're representing something about their witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that you should be paying attention to. Do you know what's so funny is it makes me think about like disclaimers mm. in witch books, right? Like, like, oh, I'm here's this just like you, you should be able to do protection. Ma- like I'm thinking specifically of conjuring spirits, but like we've seen them in a lot of books where it's like, you should be able to do protection magic or like, I don't recommend that you do this unless you know X, Y, and Z. And it's sort of like, yeah, because you know, somebody's going to do it. You know, somebody's going to do it. You're writing that for the idiot. Because the, the person, sorry, but like the, the idiot, the person who's like, I can do whatever I want. There's no risk to me. I'm going to do this anyway. You're writing for that guy. Because like I, Gemini, don't need the disclaimer because I'm lazy and I'm not going to try things. But somebody out there needs that disclaimer because they're going to do the stupid thing. Yeah. Which like, I guess I knew. But like, it just feels more poignant now talking about like looking closely at an author's words. Yeah. And again... We can learn, but I'm talking about specifically in witchcraft. We can learn from all the books because we've also talked about how you can learn from Gardner. I mean, you know, so it's not to say, oh, this guy, he goes totally out of what I believe. Uh, I'm going to stop reading this book. No, it's just understand that whatever you're reading is peppered with a certain perspective. Yes. And I think that like when I'm reading a book, When I think about what I look for in books for the podcast, I am coming at it from like a very academic lens of like, what is being said? What is what is the message? Like what spells, what magic, what etc? Where's the history? But like, if I'm looking at something for my personal use, I'm looking for what sounds cool, first of all, what sounds related to what I already do, and what sounds appropriate for me to utilize. So you're coming at it from a different perspective. And like, this is, annotation isn't that scary. You just have to figure out what you want to annotate. What do you want to write down? Um, I think of those booktube videos with like all the different sticky notes. Like this sticky note is for relationships and this sticky note is for good quotes. And it's like, yeah, that's, you could literally annotate whatever. Yeah. It's just, what are you being called towards? And I think when we're looking at which books, you should ask yourself, Okay, why did I pick up this book? Because like you just said, what do yeah. we read? Now, I think you and I read more things because we're thinking about people listening to us on the podcast and what might somebody want to know more about. Yeah. Like the Mercury Retrograde I thought was really funny when I saw the title and I was like, well, you know what? It might be good to do another astrology book. And then I was so glad once I read it, which yeah. people might be thinking, have you ever read a book and said, we're not doing it and we have? I think there were books that we were like, this is awful. And we're not going to say the names, but do you remember? There was like at least one book that I remember that was like, ew, like, please, can we stop reading this? I think I said to you, like, I don't want to read this anymore. And you were like, yeah, how would it? Like, I'm not enjoying this. I don't know what the point of this is. I can't think of the name of the book, but this is going back. I'm going to say this was year two where I was just like, I want to do this. Maybe, uh, you know what? It might have been a summer reading book. We might have put it for summer reading and then we're just like, fuck this. Maybe. We're going to do something fun instead. Yeah. So, you know, so we do try to go outside of our personal you know, practice and whatnot to so that we can bring something to the podcast that's different. You know, just like yeah. when you've read books that you wanna wouldn't use and I'm like, do you want me to read some something that's Hellenic or like I don't mind reading it? Like because I also feel like what I say to people, you know, everything you know makes you a better witch, whether you use it or not. It gives you understanding of somebody else's practice. So I don't mind reading it. Yeah. Um, but we definitely I'm always looking for books to go, have we read anything on this? You know, I don't care if we mm-hmm. go back to a specific, you know, we can do Wicca for a whole year, but I'm always going to want to, like, look for something else. Like, you know, there's always something else out there. Um, so where was I going with which books? So when you're looking for a book and you're saying, okay, so this is kind of cool. I think this would jive with my practice. Here's something else that I thoroughly believe. If you are reading a book for yourself and you're like, no, this is not for me give it to someone I, I don't believe that you have to finish a book 
just because you bought it. Somebody else, well, it's not the book for you. There's got to be somebody you can give it to or give it to the library. They can always use it to like sell when they do their little, you know, um, fundraisers. Thank you, Scorpio. And I'm going to say this slightly louder so that Mr. Gemini can hear it. DNFing books is good. Uh, DNF meaning do not finish. It's not like one of the things that really got me to be okay with DNFing is that I have a very limited time on planet Earth, right? I have a lot of time for being a human, but like not a lot of time when it comes to the amount of knowledge that I'm going to consume. And why would I waste any amount of time on a book I don't jive with? There are so many other books out there that I could spend my time reading and like better me as a person or even fuck bettering yourself. Just make me happy, right? Just bring me joy and I'm going to waste that time slogging through something shitty. The only time I'm going to do that is for Witch Space. And honestly, I don't think that we've ever had to like, like we we DNF'd one, but I don't think we've ever had to like slog slog. No. Nobody's been that bad. (laughs) No. No, because also we wouldn't want to do that to the audience and go, okay, we hated this book. What are we going to do? Lie about it? What are we going to do? Slander yeah. a book? Just because we didn't like it doesn't mean that somebody else can't benefit for it, from it. So I don't see the point of doing that. But what you said, 1000%, that's exactly what got me to stop, was like, there are so many books. I will never read all the books I want to read in my lifetime. Yeah. So I'm going to read this thing that I'm miserable. Why should I be miserable? Can you believe that we're never going to be able to read all the books we want to read? I know. Like, this is, it's truly macabre. Like, that's so fucked up. Okay, that's probably the only selling point to reincarnation for me. Like, I get to come back and read <laughs> more, more books. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that I would be it. the only selling point because I don't want to come back. I've said that a million times. I tell everybody, like, it cannot be possible. I don't want to do this again. Unless books. Unless books, you know? It's what's going to happen is like right before you're going to go, some book that is just absolutely tantalizing gets published. And you're like, well, fuck, I got to come back. Got to read it. No, you know, it's going to be I'm going to be on some sort of like ventilator and the nurse is going to come in. It's going to be like a Junji Ito book. And I'm going to say, but I read them all. And she'll say, oh, no, they just discovered this one. I'll go, what? And then like beep, 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 Mm -hmm. beep. And it'll just be like, I'll never. (laughs) Oh, my God. Actually, do you know what? This is such a tangent, but do you know what is a huge selling point for reincarnation? Getting to read your favorite books again for the first time. Wow. Because, like, there are some books, like, like Mr. Gemini is reading East of Eden, and I love East of Eden, and I, like, literally read East of Eden, like, once a year. If I could read East of Eden for the first time again. Wow. That, what an experience. So here's my question. Do our personalities stay the same? Because would I come back oh my God, and what if you Dracula hate it? again and like have a total like, that's it from that moment on? I'm goth again? Like, is that what happens? Well, you said yes. You believe that our personalities do stay the I same. I do. Like Whereas, our base like, I personalities. Don't. I don't mean like you can't be a different person in another life. I just mean like your base. You know what I mean? Well, so ecologically... If I think about ecological reincarnation, somebody new would get my love of East of Eden. So it might not be me, but that would get to get. And so some new life out there would get to read East of Eden for the first time. And I would be there for it as a little smidgen of spirit. That's crazy. Okay, we're going to get into a deep. um, um... Sorry, I'm like actually freaking out about so let's go back to yeah to actually hey because now question. yeah because i was just thinking you know what where my mind went i'm just gonna say it so you know how like some people in reincarnation theories believe that like you are born again like you have the same like friend group and like your family is your family except that instead of your mom yes. being your mom the next time she might be your sister or something like that like how weird would that be like okay so in the next life we're friends Wait a minute. Wait. Uh-huh. And what if, like, we're still just as, like, weirdly nerdy? And I'm going to say me in the next life. Maybe me in the next life will be a little bit more tech savvy. And I'll go, I found this thing. And you'll be like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. They used to be called podcasts. Listen to this. How, how weird would that be? That'd be insane. That'd be 
absolutely lunacy. And we won't know. We won't know. But it'll just be but like. But we will know. We'll have like that small little. We'll have that spark joy moment where we're like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And we'll be obsessed. Ew, what if we make a podcast huh? based on our podcast? What? What if we make a podcast based on our podcast? That's what I was just going to say. Like, what if we're like, let's bring this back? You know how like kids are always bringing back like dead things. And <laughs> that sounds like Frankenstein. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. this is an old trend. Let's bring it back. And like, we'll be generation okay. D at that point we or whatever the heck they just, are. We've spiraled. Um, I can't. <laughs> Can you I imagine in an alternate universe? This has already happened. And we have a podcast that talks about this podcast. It's Witch Space Reborn. Okay, so back to annotation. This is something that is like blowing my mind right now. Do you use sticky notes? Are you a tab person? Yes, I put them in my notebook. And then... Oh, and not in the book? Not in the book. Sometimes in the book. Okay, let's backtrack. It depends on what it is. Like if it's a chart or something, I'm not going to write out the whole chart in my notes. You know, I'll take notes on the chart and then I'll put a sticky note and then I'll put the page or whatever. But sometimes... I'll look over my notes and I'm like, oh, I don't know where to fit this, whatever, because sometimes I'll write over my notes. So I'll put something else. Or if there's something that I want to make sure I ask you, I'm like, okay, flag this. So I just, I don't just read Mm -hmm. over it and I don't get a chance to say, hey, Gemini, on this page, we saw this type of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I, for a couple of books, I have put sticky notes instead of writing in the book. Which is good for the podcast because it is, again, it's a flag. It's like, hey, talk about this thing. Um, and you don't have, I don't have to edit out the like flipping pages sound of me going through the books. But it's always sort of like, do I have, my problem is that I'm a hoarder, right? So like I have a billion different sticky notes and shit. I just never have them like on me. So I would love to be one of those like aesthetic girlies with like all the different sticky notes for different stuff, but I don't. So every once in a while, I'm like, oh, sticky notes, got it. And then I'll like, oh, scribble, put some pages. Ah, ah, ah. But most of the time, it's just me and a book. And if we're lucky, a pen. And if we're extra lucky, a highlighter. And I'm just do, 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 scribbling away in the margins. I also want to tell people now that you mentioned the sound of you turning pages. The reason why you don't hear me turning pages in the notebook is that I won't turn a page until Gemini speaking so that you haven't noticed that's that so smart that's so smart you never notice that you don't have to edit that no. out of me because I try not I mean very rarely do I ever have to turn a page while I'm talking for the most part I refuse to turn the page I'm like no when she starts talking I'll turn the page and then I'll be ready that's so smart that's so smart I know sometimes you know so now that we've gotten past the introduction and I'm on chapter one of a book for here, for a witch book. Or a book for me. Um, I'm going to take the Mercury Retrograde book as an example. Yeah. There were times when she was writing about, I think, every planet with something. I would go, where's Scorpio? Where's Pluto? Mm-hmm. And I would read that. And then I'm like, all right, what's it say about Gemini? What's it say about... And then I would just skip and I'd go, all right, yeah. now I know what this chapter is about. When she was talking about how to address things like a retrograde or how to address things like a lunar eclipse, a solar eclipse, I found that particularly interesting because I never really thought about mm-hmm. doing something special for that. I know we just discussed this on another podcast. So we don't have to go over it again. But if it's something I have never heard before, I'm paying extra yeah attention to this part i am going to take more notes i am going to maybe ask questions in my little notebook and then everything else i'm skimming and i think that's okay and i think that's something we don't give permission to ourselves to do like we feel like i've committed to this book i have to read it all if you're a beginning witch and even then you can do this to some extent but if you're a beginning witch yeah i think that it's a good idea to read the whole book through but if you're not a beginning witch and you know we've recommended some beginner books but you know what? If you notice, we really highlighted in the podcast the chapters that really meant something to us. If you notice when we yeah. skip things and we're like, oh, this chapter was about this and we kind of talk a little bit, but then we go into depth on others. I'm not saying that those are the chapters that every experienced witch is going to highlight, but you can do that. You can absolutely take what you can from a book and go, okay, I know this. This was cute. I don't, 
what's wrong with skimming? I think we also feel like you can't skim a book. I skim books even when I'm reading them for the podcast. I am not going to do a deep dive on everything if I feel like, okay, got it. So I'm going to snitch on myself on the podcast, but I also think that like this contextualizes a lot. There are 100% days we're recording and I'm reading the book the morning of. Because again, I have been doing this for so long, not just on the podcast, but in my life, that I know, all right, I can finish one of these books in six hours because I know where I'm going to skip. I know where I'm going to dive in. I know where, you know, oh, I'm going to highlight this and I'm going to talk it out with Scorpio. Right? You hear a lot of my processing on the podcast because that's the point of the podcast. Why wouldn't that be valuable to you? Read the book in six hours. What do you need to, like, yes, witchcraft can be sacred and religious and important, but it doesn't mean that you have to dedicate, you know, this this grueling hour every day where you're, like, reading the same four paragraphs and highlighting and underlining different aspects. Skim the fucking book. And better than that, listen to the audiobook. Listen to the audiobook. Okay, you've been saying that for a long time, and I keep thinking I should try it. But again, I don't, I don't know. My mind tends to wander. Like I have some meditation, sleeping meditations that I like to do. And I, you know, you have to follow the person that's speaking. Mm-hmm. And that's super hard for me because I have such a tendency to go boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Like my mind is just everywhere. So an, I don't know that an audiobook is going to grab my attention the way I physically have to look at a book. You know, I, fi- I have to I think... make the effort. It is definitely less effective for Witch Space. I'll say that right out. Like, I have to have a physical copy for Witch Space regardless. But, like, for my regular life, listen to the audiobook. Oh, yeah. Because your brain is not, if it's not paying attention, that's just not that important. It's not that important. It's it's probably the same place I would have skimmed if I was in the physical book. Um, and so, like, if you're the kind of person who's like, oh, I really, I really want to know how Witch Space annotates. I want to do more of that. How do I annotate with an audiobook? I mean, first of all, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. But second of all, sometimes that's the thing that clues you in on like, oh, when I get when I get my hands on the book, these are the areas that I really want to look at. And so like I I did it with Conjuring Spirits. I listened to the audiobook on a long drive <laughs> to Long Island and back, and it it gave me the keys to go these are chapters that I really keyed in on I really clued in on I need to look at those in the book and if I'm doing this for my practice then I would be able to be like okay these are the things I need to sit with and think about and incorporate into my book of shadows or my book of winds or whatever um and I don't I wouldn't have to then skim through the parts that I'm skimming through because I already listened to them so now that you've been 100% honest about how sometimes you are reading the book the morning of, I'm going to be honest about the books. So I'm the kind of person that I like to be, if I can, a book ahead. So if we recorded a book, mm-hmm. I'd like to start, you know, the other book before we even have to record that book because I feel like life could happen and then, oh my God, I haven't read the book. But of course, Absolutely. we can always get around that by doing something else because we try to be ahead. Okay, but what happens? Sometimes... I redline a lot and Gemini knows this where (laughs) she'll be like we're recording at three o'clock and I'm like sure and I'm outside with the dog and I'm like okay I can get back in 10 minutes meanwhile I'm like 15 minutes away you know what I mean but I'm like no I can do this like I'm gonna cut it down to the wire and for whatever reason no matter how early I start with the books sometimes I am right down to the wire and what I do is that I just go okay, I didn't read the last chapter. And I come and I record. And Gemini, I never tell Gemini, like, I didn't, fi- I think now I'm telling you more. But I'm like, I didn't yeah. finish the last chapter, didn't get to the last chapter. There have been times when she has said, and I can't think of the books. So, um, and then the other chapters, and I'll go, yeah, what did you think? <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't read the last chapter. And I don't want to no. tell her. So she just goes on and on. And I'm like, that's really good. And then I'll have like a question for you. Or mm-hmm. I'll like do something else. Because I'm listening to what you're saying. So I'm still engaging with the book. But I haven't read that. I'm just going based on what you said. And then I have something else to add. That has happened on the podcast where I've just not finished it by like a chapter or two. 
I think that these conversations have done more for our ability to annotate than possibly my entire school. (laughs) And you know who taught me. So like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. I sometimes just talking about the book is the annotation. Yeah. Because like, it's great to take notes on actually. Yeah. Ooh. Life Lessons with Gemini. Um, it's great to take notes on books. I personally love it because I'm a fucking know-it-all who needs to know everything. Uh, but, like, why are you annotating? Right? Possibly the most important question to ask. If you're annotating because, you know, I, I want this book for my practice, it, I feel like it's going to be important to me, yeah, you're going to want to take notes 100%. We're annotating because we are talking to you about, like, hey, these are the books. These are our opinions on it. Some books you, like, don't have to annotate. Some books you're never going to go back to. Some books, you know, maybe there's a cool quote you want to write down, but, like, that's kind of it. Um, I am annotating, and I 100% this is who I am as a person. I'm annotating because in my mind I'm writing an essay on every book I've ever read. Right? I have, like, a full thesis conjured in my head probably a third of the way into every book because of who I am. Will I do it? Probably not. But, like, I'm prepared for every single text ever. No one should be like me. Like, that shouldn't be the way you approach reading unless it's something that's, like, really passionate for you. I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, I have to annotate like Gemini. No, you don't. She's crazy. (laughs) So there's two different types of witch books. The type that, well, two or three. No, I'm going to say because of the podcast, for me, there's only two right? Mm-hmm. And they are the books that I'm going to use in my practice. The, and we're going to talk about them, obviously. Books I'm going to use yeah. and books that I just have a curiosity about the subject. Yeah. Right? So um, so that would be, I'm trying to think, like um, chaos magic. Do I really want to practice chaos magic? I don't think that right now I want to practice chaos magic. Yeah. But I think it's really important to know something about it right i'm curious about it the conjuring spirits the same thing do i want to conjure spirits i don't know will i ever i don't know right now no like you know i could probably tell you in the rest of this year 2023 i don't see me either doing chaos magic or getting deeper into conjuring spirits that could change but i doubt it right so those are my i'm interested in these books would i annotate those if we didn't have the podcast no in all honesty, I don't think I would. Now, if we're talking about a book on... Okay, so here's an interesting one. Espiritismo. When we did that book, right? Yeah. It's different from my Espiritismo. We already discussed that on the podcast. However, I kind of want to know more and I want to write down notes, especially when they talked about the person who, you know, they studied in Europe and brought it back. Because yeah. I want to know more about, at some point, I feel like these two authors, the authors of Maya Espiritismo and the Espiritismo that's talked about in this book, I feel they knew each other. They crossed paths yeah. somewhere. And why did they go in different directions? Is there even another yeah. branch of Espiritismo that we don't even know about? So that's something I'm the curious third about. third secret branch. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. So... For a book like that, yes, I took annotations because I'm going to work on Espiritismo that way. No. But it's something I'm more than interested in. And then, of course, you have the third type, which is this book resonates with me. We're talking about The Witch's Bible Complete, let's say, by Stuart and Janet Farrar. As somebody who is Espiritista and went through down the Wiccan path, this book connected me to my craft in such a deep way that, yes, I'm going to take notes on that. I am going to, but again, on the chapters that I feel for me are super important. And those, and and a book like that ends up in my book of shadows in the section of, you know, belief system and, you know, thought process of a witch. Who am I as a witch fundamentally? These are some of my beliefs and they come from Espiritismo and they come from that book and it kind of all comes together. So yeah, there's different books and you're going to use them for different reasons. And if you say to yourself, okay, maybe I'm starting out and I'm reading this book and I don't know is it going to be part of my practice or not so don't worry about it because the best books you've read more than once 
like you just mm-hmm. mentioned, East of Eden, right? There are books that we've read over and over again. And the same thing with our practice. Just because I no longer do ceremony like in Big Blue, it was so wonderful to read that again. And it made me think, Yeah, I want to go back and read some of the older texts again that I now look at and go, okay, I'm not going to follow this. But there's something about them. And maybe it's just nostalgia that makes you go back, right? Um, yeah. We can all remember how we started, where we started. And going through that, again, is it's kind of sweet, you know, to look back. Yeah. So even if you didn't annotate it now, you may change your mind and you can always go back and take a deeper dive. So don't also feel like, oh, okay, so Scorpio and Gemini said, this is how I have to read books. I have to read them like this. No, we just want to give you our take on how we look at yeah. books. And then you can use it, not use it, but at least you get a better understanding of why maybe we pull some some things from the books and we don't pull others or whatever. And I think also, I'm relating, <laughs> my brain, it's working. I'm relating this to like the way that we write as people, but I guess me specifically, like, <laughs> I was the slam poet once upon a time. I'm just admitting that on the podcast too, like a long time ago. Um, but I really loved using illusion in my poetry. And I think for me, that's like, it's very Hellenic, right? Like it's a callback. But that means that I'm going to look at these witch books and be like, oh, we're referencing this, right? I'm always the person who's like, this is Christianity. (laughs) We're talking about Christianity because that's my background, right? I have that raised Catholic upbringing that colors the way I look at stuff. It's going to color the way you read books, your personal experience. And if you want to look through a book and be like, okay, well, this is going to affect my practice. It's giving me Christianity vibes. What does that mean for me? Right? Am I pulling towards this? Am I pulling away from it? When I think of East of Eden, it's got very Christian-y vibes, but it it feels, it just feels good. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like nice in me to read that. Like that energy is good energy. When you read a book and you feel that, like, where in your past is it connecting to? Why are you why are you attracted to certain topics? Like that's it's like your own personal illusion, right? Where are the books alluding to your life? Okay, so I just wanted to say something about poetry because I think this is this might be funny. I guess this is also mm-hmm. our confessional <laughs> episode where we're just confessing different things. Yeah, we're we... just confessing shit. Okay, so as the literature teacher, um, when I look at a book that has a spell let's say written and it's this beautiful poem i go oh give me a break you need four lines (laughs) and just get on with it and all my spells Mm -hmm. literally are these short little things because i cannot stand going on and on in a poem Mm -hmm. for a spell i don't know why it's just something i don't like in in spell work so but like that's that's a place where we're going to look at a book with such completely different colors. Right. And like my annotation might be, this is a beautiful poem alluding to Hercules and his labors and I would love to use it. And you would look at it and be like, fuck this shit. It's way too long. I'm not using it for a spell. Right. And like that's totally reasonable. You're going to bring you – ha- you have to bring yourself. You can't bring us to your annotations. Don't put on <laughs> – don't put on Gemini skin and read a book. Oh, God. Please don't put on my skin ever. Thank you. I'd like to keep it. I'm really concerned about my bones. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was a good point, but then I said the skin thing, so I'm sorry. Okay, and so my mind went dark, and I was just like, can you imagine? It'd be a great short story. Like, someone tries to put on my skin, but what they don't realize that my skin is, I mean, your skin is alive, but it's alive in another way in that it is sentient, and it, like, and it just kind of, like, absor- it goes, and just kind of, like, sucks you up and, like, eats you, and then I get to wear my skin again, and now, like, I am rejuvenated because my skin has just eaten you. Whoever writes that, please send it to us. I want to read it so bad. <laughs> I want to read it so bad. It's giving, like, Lovecraftian horror, but, like... Let's not make it racist. Thank you. Oh, my God. There's so many po- problematic writers. And we've read about half of them. But um, we've, we've read a number. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like that you said that, you know, I think the baggage that I bring when I read stuff is anytime I have a book in front of me, and I know this is unfair to just paint everybody with a single brush, but it's mm-hmm. something that's in the back of my mind. If the book is um, cishet male, 
I mm-hmm. am waiting for them to say something misogynistic or, you know, like know. queerphobic, like seriously, like, and it's terrible because yeah. I don't, I don't do that if a woman has written it, right? I, I don't really care, you know, um, but if it's cishet men, I'm like, okay, we're going to be cool here. Like, are we going to be okay? Or are you going to say something yeah. that's going to set me off, you know? Um, but yeah. I like the phrasing of it as baggage because on the one hand, like, we all have that heavy shit that we're carrying around that, like, yeah. is is coloring our worldview. But at the same time, like, baggage is helpful. Your baggage is carrying things for you, right? Like, if I'm taking baggage on a flight, that's something that I don't have to worry about necessarily. Like, it's its, its own separate thing. So, like, on the one hand, <laughs> do we have baggage? But on the other hand, like, identifying that that baggage is separate from you is super useful to reading a book because mm-hmm. like if i read a book and i'm like this is super christian that's my baggage i'm not christian i'm not reading this and going oh i should still be a catholic that's that's being held by the baggage the baggage is carrying it for me i can unpack that at whatever time i want i just have to be aware of it as i go into reading the text yeah because you're never going to get away from it It's going to take a very, it takes therapy and and practice and commitment to get away from it. (laughs) No, I'm saying even if we acknowledge this baggage and go, okay, I'm going to go to therapy, I'm going to get rid of it. There's going to be baggage from something else. I mean, you don't get through life without having baggage. We've all had experiences. And those experiences kind of shape us and kind of also help us put walls up so that we don't get hurt again, you know, so that we can defend ourselves. So... All this stuff happens. You know, we're human beings. Yeah. So that's the other thing. If we've ever read a book and you read it and you're like, oh, I really, what did they see in this book? We've all had different experiences. So we're not going to come at things the same way, you know, or that one time where we didn't know something about an author and somebody was like, hey, how could you support them? We were like, what? They did what? Right. You remember that? That was, I think that was year one or something like that. We were like, okay, we had no idea about this author. So, you know, that happens too. (laughs) Yes. Well, and that's that's also sort of the thing of, like, as much as I hate the phrase, like, you have to see them in their time, you have to see some of these authors in their time. And, like, when we talk about Lovecraft, he was racist for his time. People were like, actually, dude, that's fucked up. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. You should be less racist. But there are people who we read who maybe are, like, involved in a movement and you don't realize are involved like dorian valiente yeah a big part of um the witchcraft movement also a white supremacist yeah that's like not information you're gonna find very easily sometimes and that's another great thing about annotation is if we are doing that close reading like where do people snitch on themselves yeah right where in the text are you seeing like oh maybe like i feel kind of uncomfortable about this uh maybe they said this in a way that like doesn't resonate and then you come to find out oh that's because they suck yeah yeah um and i think that's why we also like to call the new books the new moon new book the the um witch in time yeah because yeah we can't make excuses for how people were but you also can i mean if nobody ever tells you right if you grow up Okay, so I'm thinking about Tim Burton. I just went to a Tim Burton thing. So Tim Burton got in a huge mess of trouble. Everyone was calling him a racist because he says when he dreams, he dreams with only white people in his dreams. And, you know, with the movies he saw, that's what he saw. He saw white people. So he just cast white people in his films. Okay, the problem is it's not 1950. It's 2022, I think, when he said it or something like that. Like, I kind of feel like, huh? And I, I feel like he should have phrased it better. But on the other hand, the minute he said it, I remember thinking, okay, that doesn't upset me. Because yeah. Tim Burton likes the same movies that I know what movies he's referencing. And yeah, the Hammer films literally only had white people in them. Um, he dreams with white people. Well, if you don't know anybody who's not white, I don't know where he grew up, why he only knows white yeah. people. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, do I think it's odd? Yeah, I think it's odd that you only know white people, but did I see him as like this weird, like white supremacist? No. Did I see him as a huge yeah. racist? No, I think he was trying to explain like, 
almost like an aha kind of like damn you know why I think I did this type of thing like I think like I wasn't even conscious like that's how I saw it and maybe I'm wrong I don't know maybe but also like let's say we're reading a, a witch book by Tim Burton and Tim Burton says you know in an aside I only dream with white people that might prompt me to go, I'm going to look deeper into this. I'm going to go look up and maybe we find out from reading the book that Tim Burton is a white supremacist. And we go, right. okay, this book I no longer necessarily want to support. I don't want to suggest to people, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I look into it and I'm like, this was a really poorly worded explanation. Right. I'm still cool with Tim Burton, the author of the witch book that doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Annotating anything, but especially witch books, is about developing literacy in the subject and for which books that literacy is the language of magic for fiction it's the language of imagery for nonfiction, it's the language of facts but the more you annotate the more you understand the way this language is used the better you're able to grasp how these authors communicate through that language that might seem great for some people. You might be listening to this and being like, okay, I'm not, I, you know, I'm going to try the having a conversation thing, or I'm going to try the sticky note thing, or I'm going to try X, Y, and Z. Some of you might be listening to this and say, that sounds like shit. You do you, boo-boo. Yeah. <laughs> you do you. I think if the one thing that we definitely want you to take away from this is not the how to annotate, but why annotation is important. And we've just given you a couple of ideas as to how you can go about doing that. And then you decide. Yeah what works for you and maybe the first step is just reading the book and just being conscious that you are looking for yeah. things and maybe you don't write anything down and you know like I said if you're worried that maybe I'm not doing it quote unquote right or I'm not going to be happy with the results don't write in the book get like a cheap notebook yeah. and write in that you know um, and see how it goes but definitely I think that it's worth a shot to take a closer look at the language people are using to figure out where it fits. Oh, Gemini just had an aha moment. So go ahead. I had an idea. Yeah. Um, I would love, I we tell you guys all the time, follow us on Instagram. I would love if you guys would tag us in your annotations. Um, <sighs> post a photo of you annotating a book, of a book that you maybe have annotated already, a book that you're going to start annotating. And, you know, tag us, send it to us. I want to see it. I'll share some of ours. But I just think that, like, that's a fun way for us to be a little bit more of a community and, like, show each other what we're working with yeah and if you use like something like if you're like okay i'm not gonna do this because my method is really crazy like no we want to know like oh my god how tell us you... yeah tell yeah, us I please know. tell me <laughs> yeah that would make me really happy i think that'd be awesome yeah i will definitely I'm share my annotations you won't be able to read them because heck i can't even read so <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true like, it's gotten so bad. So it's to the point where, like, if we do an interview, it's all typed out. Like, I have to have it typed yeah. out. And then I'll write notes in the margin. Because if not, that's the last thing you want to do is talk to somebody. And you're like, I can't read this question. Sorry, so I can't next. Read <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like that we type the questions because then we're like, we're on it. We know what, like what's happening. Like, that's just, yeah, that's business bitch shit. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So is there anything else we want to say about annotations or looking at your books more carefully closely i feel like on the one hand we absolutely covered it and i feel like on the other hand we didn't cover it at all do you know what i mean well you know okay so the teacher would say to you look at every chapter you should be able to write the name like the title of the chapter if there are any subheadings take a couple of notes down on what is the main idea of the chapter what is the main idea of the subheadings and at the end you should be able to write a small paragraph of a couple of sentences that summarizes for you the importance of this chapter that is what they tell you in school which we did not say and i gotta be honest i don't do i mean i write the name I... of the chapter and i'll write a subheading but i don't do the summary at the end What? Okay, but as a bitch who's just starting a little tiny library of annotation books, I love that. Okay. Again, because I'm going to have a book that's just summaries of books I've read. Because I am crazy. Well, the summary, I think, at the end of the chapter is really good if you're going to school. Which is why I always say it in yes. class. Because 
you read all these things and then you have to go back. You have to write a paper. You have to do whatever. What was this chapter about? You're going to start reading the chapter all over again. Start with the summary and go, oh, that's right. Now look at your notes. What did you mark down? What did you find was important within that summary? Right? It just makes your life a lot easier. So, you know, I'm going to say maybe if you're starting out as in witchcraft and you're going down a particular path and you found these books and you're like, this is instrumental, then maybe even if you want to annotate in the book, have a notebook where you're like chapter one, here's the summary of what, in your own words, what was this chapter about? You know, maybe you highlight or underline keywords or even have the way abstracts do in papers, have keywords at the bottom of every summary where you write, okay, this was about spell crafting, blah, 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 blah. And then you go on to the next chapter. That'll help you out for sure if you're just starting out. That's like the genius baby witch tip. That's like number one baby witch tip because that's like imagine you get, you know, like imagine you're you're starting out as a Wiccan and you've got Big Blue and the Witch's Bible complete and all of that. Like, yeah, dude, that yeah. would be so fucking useful because you're gonna if you're if you're working on creating a book of shadows with all of this material conglomerate damn yeah i can't believe you saved that for last that's genius well you know what i just kind of i thought about saying it in the beginning but like i said i didn't want this to sound like i was teaching class so i was like do i want to say all that or should we just like roll with whatever but that's what you know annotation real annotation is all about so it's it's that's 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 hello baby witches hello yeah i think it would help you're right whomst i love you should do that. Um, I wish I had done that with some books. I wish, I I hope that in the in my future reincarnated future that little whoever I am does that and can read East of Eden and a bunch of other books for the first time and write cute little summaries of the chapters. Wow, that is a good one. Yeah, there you go. A Scorpio nugget at the end of the podcast. Boom, boom. We're done. <laughs> mic drop so do you think there's anything else we gotta tell people about about reading I, I hope this was helpful i hope that people one got a glimpse into what we do right people are yeah curious as to how we do what we do and two hopefully it was helpful that next time you pick up a book on your own you're like i got this i'm going to try something new and like message us on instagram or shoot us an email if you have a question about something if this resonated if it didn't resonate please be nice to me i will cry um but like we are we're sharing this because it is essential to how this podcast works um and also i feel like we did a great mix of like sharing information and talking shit and people love when we just kind of like shoot the shit so that's true you know if you liked it let us know if you didn't just be nice about it and uh yeah I think that's, I think we covered everything we needed to cover. If you want more, ask. We'll figure something out. We'll make it work. We love you guys. Yeah. If you want an episode where we just shoot the shit about random things, we could do that too. Let us know. We can. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's just an hour and a half of me talking about how much I love East of Eden. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we need like a podcast that's about, I don't know if anybody's interested in this, but it'd be funny to have a podcast that it's, we press record the minute i get you on google Meet. oh my god and then we go okay you ready to record yeah okay and then that ends we do our regular recording and then we keep recording because when we hang up you know when we hang up we when just we talk stop about recording, shit, yeah. we just keep talking shit so we had a podcast that was like the you know and then we always end with i think that went well yeah that was good like what did you think of it like yeah i think that might be funny so let us know it if would, you want the only thing i would have to do is just include like redacted <laughs> redacted <laughs> redacted like for people's names and stuff yeah i think that could work so let us know if you're interested in in a podcast of us before and after recording a podcast because that's behind the scenes of which space we literally just have to press record talk and then go okay you want to record you know record yeah and then we just do the podcast and we're like okay so this is where the, the podcast ends and then we just do whatever and we hang up that would be hilarious yeah well we love you guys, and we want to make whatever podcast you want to listen to, so please reach out to us on Instagram via email. If you see us in person, let us know. Thank you, of course, for being the most amazing audience in the world. We love to hear from you. Definitely, please reach out. Thank you to Kano and more for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.